0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Highly Inspired. I'm Ella. And I'm Jordan. Hey, guys. Um, it's been a hot minute. Um, we kind of want to, before diving into this week's topic, which is just going to kind of be like a huge update and then diving into some other things. But we wanted to just kind of say where we've been, what happened to our most recent <laughs> two episodes, which is really tragic, mm-hmm. and kind of what is going forward like what the plan's gonna be
1: yeah yeah we've had our own little funeral for our two most recent episodes that got taken down by YouTube um, completely we've had episodes before get flagged um, with CDC guideline things and and you know, other types of notifications that they put on videos. But this is the first time we've had videos get totally taken down and we have decided not to try to fight it um, and because it, it would right probably now. be a waste of time on it anyway. So, um, yeah, they are available on audio only, though, if you go to Apple Podcasts or wherever else. Um, they're still there if you yes. want to check them out. And so definitely that's
0: good. check out the Medical Loops one because we spent like over a year – um, prepping that episode and getting pumped about it and researching and kind of curating that topic. So, um, sad it's not up on YouTube, but it's also up on rumble if you want to see the video version. Mm -hmm. But I know a lot of people don't really use rumble, but it's there. (laughs) It's there. yeah, (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So we have that. We have the last, I guess, like two months outside of like those episodes getting taken down at the end of June, like early July, Jordan and I, um, kind of have taken this month to look at the podcast, like reevaluate, see like what direction, like we want to go into like moving forward. And I think that we, we, especially now that we live kind of geographically further away from each other, um, we felt like we were kind of getting into this routine of like forcing ourselves to record in order to like stay on a schedule and like pump content out and Mm -hmm. we felt like it was kind of putting us in a position where we weren't like always 100% or like fully committed to like all the topics because Mm -hmm. it was just kind of that like extra pressure on top of everything else that we're going through right now and we're like Mm -hmm. still transitioning and trying to figure out where we fit in in this Mm -hmm equation and yeah and contrary
1: know. to what some listeners might think about how getting on and just speaking into a microphone might be easier or whatever which sometimes it totally is like yeah. if all the stars align and you're having a pretty easy day and your brain is sharp still at night and you have time and it works out perfect but sometimes there are days where you know we end a full day of work mm-hmm. and also taking care of ourselves and trying to be real adults um and then trying to fit in like normally 3 or 4 hours of of also prep and recording can be you know a commitment for sure so um
0: yeah and there's also just other things too that we both um like want to spend our time on like as individuals as well so it's like trying to figure out okay like where like where do we see um like how do we see ourselves developing as individuals while still being able to um maintain this but not maybe to the level that it was previously and maybe that will get reevaluated in a few months but that's kind of just where we're at right now Um, so we just kind of wanted to give everyone that heads up Um, and then for today we're kind of going to talk about um, a life update that I'm actually kind of going through right now that has sparked a lot of conversation that Jordan and I've had over the past few months and definitely like I don't know just throughout <laughs> our entire like friendship but yeah so basically I haven't it's weird because I haven't like said this even like on Instagram or whatever I've only talked about it like in my private life with all of my like friends and family but I am having my first kid which is really exciting <laughs> um he is gonna be here pretty soon like in a few weeks so uh, we pretty much, like, kept up with the podcast, like, my entire pregnancy and, like, kept doing things mm-hmm. as normal um, up until this point, And we haven't talked about it publicly yet. Mm-mm. But Jordan and I have obviously had so many conversations, and Jordan is going to be, like, an aunt to this kid. Yes. And <laughs> it's, re- it's very exciting. My first nephew. <laughs> um,
1: it's really interesting how, like, we've been through so many um, – like monumental phases in our friendship, you know, getting to college together, moving out of state, moving into our first house, you know, living on your own outside of living with your parents, going through the pandemic, graduating, working, moving back. Like there's been a lot of big things, but this is by far the biggest of all of that, just in terms of, you know, maturing and developing and you know, taking on responsibility that you haven't had in that way before. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I mean, this is kind of like all we've been talking about, and it's been amazing. And I think it's kind of been good that we've taken some time away from the podcast to, like, you know, you know, have our relationship and and teach each other these things that you know as you go through this whole process so it's but yeah it's like like she said it's almost here so he's almost (laughs) here sorry I had to say I feel like we I didn't know how to like talk to people about it until like recently because you waited a while to tell certain people so
0: yeah well I mean I so I told like my immediate family and like very very like close friends um like, closer to when I, like, found out, but then I didn't, like, tell, like, my wider circle of family and friends, um, and then, like, looser acquaintances until after the 20-week scan, and I just, I don't know, I kind of wanted to keep things private for a while, and, like, really, like, have that in the clear, um, go through that, like, process, and, This was something that was unexpected in my life. Um, I don't like using the word like unplanned because if you look at the statistics, like most, not most, but a large majority, large percentage of pregnancies are unplanned, even like within a marriage or like within a relationship or whatever, like that just... It's very rare that you're like, okay, I'm going to have a baby on this specific date and it's going to happen. It's going to manifest like Mm. it's very rare for that sort of thing to happen. Mm. Um, But this was something that even though it was unexpected and not something that I had initially like anticipated when I was looking at what's going to happen to Ella in 2022, Mm. I was very like from day one, very um, embracive of the experience, wanted to grow from it, was excited to kind of like see where the journey took me and, um, definitely like wanted to love this baby, like from day one of finding out about his existence, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I kind of wanted that experience like the first few months to be a little bit more like private and then being able to like share it with people, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that We kind of – I don't know. One thing that I notice in our culture is that we're very into, like, our comfort and, like, set expectations and, like, reacting to things in a specific way. And I feel like when we talk about, like, pregnancy – and I feel like that's been talked about a lot this year because, like, the whole Roe versus Wade thing and everyone, like, Mm -hmm. having an opinion on it, you know, whether you've been pregnant or not pregnant or whatever Mm -hmm. – And I feel like we either are like super excited and like plan the pregnancy to the max and are like obsessive over it and are like in super like consumerism mode Mm -hmm. and planning the nursery and all this stuff or like we're just so scared and petrified and think this is like ruining my life. And there's Mm kind of not this place in America for us just to be like, okay, this is just a thing that happens Mm -hmm. and let's just like work through it and trust that, you know, several months from now, I'm going to feel more confident than I did when I initially like found out and was kind of like Mm -hmm. shooken up or freaked out or whatever, you
1: know? No, I think that's a really good point that we're not really talking about that in between set of people, which is the majority, like you just said, the majority of people fall in that category of, this wasn't planned. And even if you're trying to plan it, it might not turn out that way. And so um, how can we help people prepare mentally and physically, given that that gray area is probably where you're going to fall into. Exactly. Um,
0: And just normalize it a little bit so that when people, if people do go through that experience, they don't feel like, oh, I automatically have to be in camp one or camp two, which is like, I feel like when we were talking about Roe versus Wade, it's like the way that we talk about like abortion versus like taking the pregnancy to term is very much like, okay, you find out you're pregnant, you have to make a decision really fast and then like quickly move on. And when you think about any other life decision, usually it takes like months to work through, weeks at least. Um, And a decision to have a child or not have a child regardless of if you're pro-choice or pro-life, like I, I I think that being able to tell people like, okay, you might feel differently now versus in five or seven months, like when you're having the baby, Mm -hmm. like is a good thing to tell people and be like, okay, well, like you're going to feel differently probably later on. And also like, what are the steps to like, Get to a place of feeling like empowered, confident, mm-hmm. and ready to take this on if this is something that you want to do, mm-hmm. you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that our society is very geared around towards just planning out everything ahead of time. Like in some areas of life, i.e., health, um, I think that there are a lot of people who aren't very proactive, but still, I would say, like, at a macro level, we are control freaks over um, being able to foresee what we're going to get ourselves into. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I don't think that that's a wrong thing to do. Like I like to plan for things that I can plan for. I I like to at least know that I have some ability to do that or to start prepping myself mentally. Um, But still, like like any day, you don't fully have control of, of what your day is going to be like. And so I think that there is a lot that we can do To help, um, you know, help like make people become present and find peace in the present and adjust quickly to new news such as like, you know, you becoming pregnant so that you can think more clearly and not have a fear response and not Mm -hmm. go into shutdown mode or something like that. Um, So I'm not I'm not a psychologist, obviously, but I do think that I believe that there is some things that we can do for the mental component um, that can then also help the physical component as you go through that, especially in the beginning, if it's like an unexpected um, situation. Yeah.
0: And I know for me, like specifically, I didn't find out until after I was like already two months pregnant and um, like I didn't have. I was one of those like cases where I didn't have like any of the normal um, pregnancy like symptoms. Like I never got morning sickness. I never like really felt off. Um I I don't know like I just I didn't have any <laughs> You're of the so symptoms, lucky. which I'm really like I'm really that. like grateful for, which I actually do think side note that like ties into me um going through that horrible health thing that we both went through Mm -hmm. in the dorms um, that we've talked about so many times and it's on our medical loops episode. But I think that that caused me to like prep my body and like reheal it in so many ways and like take. Yeah. Can we, can we just take a moment to
1: like (laughs) appreciate how, and just be grateful for having, you know, had awakenings prior to, this because yes, yeah. you would not have understood some of the realities of the healthcare industry and what to look for and yeah. how fragile our homeostasis of health oh is gosh. if you hadn't gone through some of those things. Yes. So everything really does happen for a reason. And I really think that, I mean, you. I'm sure you're so grateful well, for that. I would be too.
0: Yeah. We were just before this, we were talking about the Elon Musk episode it, that he just did with um, the Nelk boys, yeah, and he. What did you know? You were telling me like his biggest issue is that we have an underpopulation problem, not an overpopulation problem. Yeah, so
1: the the guys are asking him like, what? So because he just had twins, I believe, or he just had a newborn baby like a yeah. couple of weeks ago. So they're asking him about He's that, and out. then the <laughs> and then the conversation evolved into them asking if, like, he was done having kids because he's now on his, like, third baby mom or whatever. So, anyway, it started with that. And then he became very passionate talking about how he thinks probably one of the biggest issues we're dealing with right now is the misinformation around depopulation mm-hmm. and that we don't have a depopulation problem. We have a an underpopulation
0: problem. You mean an over, we don't have an overpopulation problem.
1: Oh, yes, we yes have. We're we...
0: having a depopulation crisis. Yes, yes,
1: yes. yes. So... Um, the conversation about climate change and environmentalism and abortion, like all of these things kind of have been affected by us, you know, understanding the messaging of that we're overpopulated. Mm-hmm. And so maybe if that was kind of um, that messaging was changed, turned around and flipped in reverse, maybe we would have different opinions on those other areas too.
0: Yeah. And I think so. kind of jumping off of that, I, I always knew that like, um I always knew like generally like okay like birth control probably isn't good for your like long-term fertility even though they the doc- the experts will tell you that it has no effect on it that just never made sense to me um and I did know that like yeah there's certain stuff probably in the environment that like can affect your fertility but I didn't realize like how much of a fertility crisis, like, we have right now, and that was also something that I became more aware of, like, prior to, um, getting pregnant and, like, um, becoming a mom, is that, like, I didn't realize, like, how rare it is to get pregnant, even if you're trying to get pregnant, and how much, like, um, gaps, like, how, how many people have issues, like, having mm. kids and it's not just women it's also men and sperm count and sperm quality have been decreasing since the 70s and there's that great episode I forget the name of the doctor but it's like this woman and she goes on joe rogan and they talk mm. about like the taint sizes and mm-hmm. stuff i
1: know her name if you said it but i know exactly Is what you're talking about susan
0: it's i like, i know exactly what like she looks like, a like. Little old lady. she's so cute <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah just um, look up
1: joe rogan taint episode <laughs> yeah you'll find it
0: but Okay, so I looked into that more and apparently like each year we um, decrease the standard for male fertility. So we're like every year we're like dropping what is considered like a normal sperm count and what's considered like healthy sperm Mm. to meet the, like, fertility criteria to mm. to kind of mask that we're in this, like, so fertility we're dropping, crisis. we're
1: dropping the threshold to, yes. to better pair with whatever that average is.
0: Exactly. So, like, we're way... Like, if that was adjusted for the adjustments that we're making, like, we'd be even more screwed, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that when you're... When you are exposed to that and you realize everything in our environment is like so toxic and especially like even just as being someone that is pro the environment and pro like having a clean earth and not having toxins, um, I don't know, realizing that like all that stuff affects our fertility and then realizing that like birth rates are dropping as much as 10% in the last year in some developed countries. Mm -hmm. um, That makes you realize like how precious pregnancy and life is and how much of like a miracle it kind of is because Mm. all these odds are kind of stacked against us in the modern world. And to conceive naturally like isn't always necessarily a given, you know, even if you're like planning it out.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, aside from from internalizing those sort of statistical and scientific realities it's also on the existential side it's like think of how many like what when you actually measure all the odds of you being alive at this day how many things you survived driving on the road or all the flights you've survived all these things to put you in this position you know relatively great health and then you know it's 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 crazy
0: no it's crazy like it's to think about like all the things that had to line up to get pregnant, especially when I wasn't plan like I wasn't planning it. I was actually doing things to prevent it. Um, and then it like, it still happened and it's like, wow. Like that's Mm -hmm. so like, it's obviously there's some, at least for me, like there has to be some other reason outside of what I want for this all to be happening. And like, Mm -hmm. I need to like trust that Mm -hmm. as opposed to like, Real, like freaking myself out because mm-hmm. and, because, and f- approaching know, it as if it's wrong yes and then on top of that like what you said now that i'm like through the pregnancy and everything's gone well and is healthy like knock on wood and i'm mm-hmm. set to have a a good like delivery um and i did travel a lot it's not like i just locked myself in a room and didn't you didn't hide. like we hiked we <laughs> We went on multiple camping trips. Like we were like overheating in the Sedona desert. A few I forced months ago. I forced
1: Ella for my birthday to go hiking, like on the hottest day of the summer up there. It was beautiful. Like, it was we had so a great pretty. time. I
0: had so much fun. But like
1: you did amazing, and and I was like, okay, I am not going to complain because I have nothing to, get to complain about. Um, well, that
0: was like I didn't show for a really long time, and that's also why I didn't really like tell people I was pregnant because. It's really awkward to, like, um, if you don't look pregnant, to just, like, announce that out of thin air. I don't know. Like, I'm just not a very – like, I'm a kind of a – I'm very – I'm talkative, but I'm also private, and I don't like to make things, like, about me necessarily. And so I, I kind of wanted to, like, actually be showing before, like, announcing it. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. wait,
1: can we talk about – can we talk about that? Like, what sort of tone to – tell people this in because yeah. I feel like from when I've seen videos of people, you know, giving pregnancy announcements or when I've been told by like certain family members or whatever, it's like I always see one side or the other. It's like people found out re- really unexpectedly and they're having a negative response to it and they're uh-huh. kind of telling people they're pregnant in a not very enthusiastic way or there's the people on the other side that are just screaming to the heavens, telling every single person, and aren't very humble with it. Yeah. <laughs> and so once again, like this gray area of people where it's like, okay, like I'm trying to trying to feel it out. Like yeah. I don't I don't need to scream it at you. And I, it, it's not my completely new identity, mm-hmm. but also this is a really big thing. And I want to tell you and do it justice. So yeah. I feel like the way you've, at least how you told me and how I've seen you tell other people, it's kind of that sort of in between Like concoction of different tones depending on who you're talking to and what your relationship to them is,
0: and that was something too that I didn't realize would be so stressful is just like managing everyone's reactions, and like I think because it wasn't something like some people will say like before they have a kid, like we're starting to plan our pregnancy, so like maybe your close friends will won't be that caught off guard when you have a kid, mm-hmm. but, like, for me, I mean, it's not like I'm having, like, a teen pregnancy or something, but I am, like, 23, and, um, like, in, like, I'm we're in a stage of life where, like, not all of our friends, like, most of our friends, like, aren't having kids right now, mm-hmm. um, so it is kind of, like, weird to be the first one navigating that and peep and just having to like manage expectations and manage what people are saying and for the most part like if you are positive like people are going to be like positive back to you um but i did feel like it was hard it's hard like if if you just if someone else hasn't gone through something like this um or like isn't a parent like there's going to be like a a disconnect Mm -hmm. there and it feels Mm -hmm. like You're losing, like, a part of your old identity as you're stepping into this, like, new one. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of, I mean, once you, like, once you become a parent, you're never, like, not a parent again. And it is weird to, like, I don't know, like, I'm a pretty, like, self-focused person. And so it was, like, weird for me to think about that there was eventually going to be this other human that I would, like, care for more than me mm. because you're all, like you're mm, always the real thinking stuff about you first <laughs> yeah especially like I always do at least like mm-hmm. how, like I'm very into I think
1: that's kind of just how it is in your youth especially when you have moved out of your parents house and you're trying to become your own person mm-hmm. you're being independent I mean your focus is keeping your ducks in a row so that you can then get to the point that you're now at yeah and so we built a lot of systems in, into our society and conventional paths throughout life so that people think that once they've reached certain things that they're prepared enough or whatever. But at the end of the day, um, age doesn't define that. Age isn't the criteria. And yeah, um, the amount true. of money you have isn't the, the criteria. Yeah, It's kind of a criteria that depends on person to person and, and how mature they are, how ready they are, and how they're able to, you know – perceive it and and work with it as opposed to like I feel like even saying work through it isn't even a, a super yeah, positive it's term more either. just
0: like yeah because work through it is like and if through has it means, a neg- like a negative connotation exactly. I guess it's more just like um like move forward I guess mm-hmm. you know pivot yeah pivot alongside it yeah and I feel like this goes back to what we were talking like off camera about so many things in our society that we like try to do the one size fits all method, which we talked about in medical loops. Mm -hmm. Um, cycle being one, healthcare system being one. And I think what you're saying right now being one as well, which is and we talked about that on our hot take on feminism episode over like two years ago, but Mm we are scratching the surface of that we set these expectations especially like in america western culture of okay like you do this next step in society at this age and everyone has to be on the same page and like what you just said is no actually everyone is different because there's a ton of factors that go into Mm -hmm. What your preferences are when you're gonna be ready for something when you're not gonna be ready for something How mature and developed you are. Yeah, and if you put everyone in that same situation, like not everyone's gonna swim. Some people are gonna sink, some people need more time. Some people need less time and people that need less time um, to like move into the next stage of life, they might be unhappy. they might be less happy if they wait. Or something, yeah. you know? No, completely.
1: Everyone is different. Mm-hmm. So the one size fits all method isn't something that I think works very yeah. well. And I don't think it's something that should be encouraged. I think we should recognize that there is no set criteria of what can help convince you that you're prepared. Yeah. Um, and if that, if you want that criteria, because then that'll give you some sort of pseudo confidence and maybe that works for you. But, um, yeah, like I said, everyone's different. So, um, how would you define the first couple months? Like, like grappling with the news? Um, like, Can like I you said, the stage, set the
0: stage, because <laughs> yes. you know, the story, but like, yeah, it's kind of entertaining. Um, so I, yeah, so as I said, like, I didn't know for a while that I was pregnant. Um, I did know that something was off, like, with my health. And so I decided to go to my OB. Um, and I had had, um, like, this similar, like, off feeling. And yeah. this has happened to me before. And in the past, it was always um, uh, ovarian cysts that I had to monitor with ultrasounds in order to make sure they weren't cancerous. And that mm-hmm. can actually cause a lot of the same like hormonal shifts that like a pregnancy can cause. Um, and so I, I, I thought that maybe that was what was going on. And so did my mom because like, that's what's happened in the past. Like that would make sense. Mm-hmm. And so I went in for to the doctor's office and like um, they did the ultrasound and they literally, like within 0.2 seconds of doing the ultrasound, they like flipped it around and they pointed to the screen and they're like, Oh, like look at the little baby. <laughs> and I'm just sitting that there. That is an assist. And I had to wear a mask because the hospitals are still like COVID weird. And I'm just like sitting there with my mom. And um, this was a little after like this was like two and a half months. And it's crazy, like how. You can already like see stuff, like yeah, and it was like the the three D one. And so the 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 baby, like it already it already had like arms and little legs, even though it was only (laughs) like like it's like tiny, you know, it's small, yeah. But it the 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 fetus develops the most in the first like twenty weeks, and then after Mm -hmm. that, it's just like a matter (laughs) of growing and getting fatter. But like by like twenty weeks, like it. It literally, like, already looks like a baby. Um, like and a little action figure. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, this is interesting. And then when I realized, which I feel like no one talks about this either, like, in the pro-life, pro-choice debate, um, if you go to a Planned Parenthood, they don't do, like, prenatal care, but they do abortions, and they will, like, give you, like, birth control. But the majority of their care, like, is abortions. If you go to a regular OB, they don't do abortions. Yeah. So like you are ready like people talk about like women's healthcare and reproductive rights as like this all-inclusive package that you go to one place kind of and like talk mm-hmm. through your options and like weigh the pros and cons, but really like kind of like what you said with how people digest the news how people explain the pregnancy that's how our medical system is set up too you either go to like a nice OB's office mm. that's like fancy and more expensive and all that jazz or you go to like a Planned Parenthood which are usually like not in great neighborhoods mm. and you go down that route and they won't a lot of Planned Parenthoods they won't even like do an ultrasound mm. you kind of have to already know like Current, what you're doing.
1: Your OB isn't going to be there as a therapist to help talk about options to no, you. you. They're, they're going to treat you as if you've already decided what you want to do and, and you're, you're now a patient Yes, who, that's, that's yes. going to be caring for this
0: baby. And so within, literally, I'm not even kidding you, within two minutes of finding out I'm pregnant, we're already talking hospitals. We're already talking blood work. Like, literally, it was an entire... An, Interrogation. We're already talking like STD testing. STD testing. Like every everything is on the table. We're already talking, um, like cost, prenatal, and I'm just like sitting there, like still in shock (laughs) with my mask. And my mom's like, "We're gonna need a moment." Like, yeah. And this is a lot
1: of info. This is
0: a lot of info. Like we we are not picking a hospital right now. They wanted me to sign away my rights to a hospital so that they could have access to all my medical records and like consent forms and stuff on the first visit this is the first this is this is this the discovery (laughs) visit that I thought I was going there for assist okay guess it's
1: an all-in-one
0: so I'm just like so this is how this is how we yeah this is how we treat healthcare like in our country Mm -hmm. and the cherry on top of all of this is that They billed the appointment as a um, once they found out I was pregnant, I didn't get to see my doctor because for your first like prenatal appointments, you don't actually like get to see the doctor. But if it's a regular like women's wellness appointment, then you do see your doctor. Mm -hmm. It makes no sense. And Mm -hmm. so and then they also bill you differently. Depending on who you see. Depending on if you're pregnant or not. And my insurance doesn't cover anything <laughs> pregnancy related, even if it's the same like service that I would receive if I wasn't pregnant. That doesn't make any
1: sense. So, like, Is it because there's
0: more liability? Um,
1: because if they're if it, it, it takes the your, same amount of time, they're doing the same. It depends on your
0: policy. So if you okay. have maternity coverage, then it would be covered. However, that's broken down. Um, but for me, I don't have any maternity coverage um I don't even have c-sections covered um and so and so basically like if they code it as a pregnancy related thing the insurance company automatically denies it even if like Mm -hmm. it's blood work that you've gotten not pregnant Mm -hmm. so it's it's very and we can get into this later but like yeah it's very nitpicky nitpicky even on the payment side Yeah. So I thought I was going in for a totally different experience, a totally different payment plan. And I'm being left with an expensive bill for an ultrasound and telling me that I have to pick a hospital at like nine or 10 weeks pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, And then something else that a lot of people don't realize uh, in the abortion like debate is that. You, to take, like, the abortion pill, which is, like, the least invasive version of an abortion, Mm -hmm. um, you can't be more than, like, they usually don't prescribe it after 10 weeks. Okay. And so, if you think about it, like, a lot of people might not know for, even if abortion is, like, legal up until nine months or whatever, Mm -hmm. um you're already already in a category where you would actually have to go in for like a real surgical physical like a procedure as opposed to just because like that window a is pill. already passed because that window it's it is a very short window mm. and then I was watching this these tick these like videos of these women explaining that they actually didn't even qualify for the birth control pill so I guess some people like because of their health even if they were inside of mm-hmm. that window yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. And then there was one girl that said that she wasn't, that she found out that she was pregnant at like four weeks or five weeks, but they wanted to wait until six or seven weeks to give her the pill. Okay. So it's just interesting. Like I just think that we don't we don't get into any of these specifics mm-hmm. because I think that we're so like instant on people making decisions really fast. We're very like yes or no. When well, this is like a very complex case by case, different data in each situation. You know what yes. I'm saying? Like, well, as
1: we've talked about in medical loops, talked about this pretty much the entire episode was, you know, the healthcare system is a big business, and each of these different sub branches of healthcare are also businesses. Yes, and so it's more cost effective for them to structure their business as, you know, this is how we do things. Mm-hmm. This is how we this is how we guide our patients through the process, and the one size fits all process saves time for them and it's guaranteed money so it's it would it would it you know it would create too much discrepancy to to revolve that care around all these different factors that are actually relevant to everyone being different so
0: yeah and I think that we are like really we've pushed especially like as women we've pushed motherhood to like something that we should like, look into in our 30s, um, because, like, we want to be, like, career-focused, and I am someone that I I do have, like, a career, and I, um, like, work full-time, and, like, I have a lot of, like, personal goals, but I also, I realized it was around COVID that I, in order to be able to, like, have a family and do something outside of like being a homemaker because I do, like I did, I do wanna have kids. I am having a kid, <laughs> but like I, I'm excited to be a mom and I want to, that is like my top priority. But at the same time, like there is like so many other things that I'm also interested in and that I want to be um, splitting my time with uh, that are would be secondary, but are still things that I wanna do. And I think that I'm really glad that I figured out, Okay, I need to figure out how to set myself up so that when I'm in my like mid 20s, late 20s, early 30s, like I'm moving towards a lifestyle where I can be a mom, but also like work and make money Mm -hmm. and but not be tied to a um, set schedule and in a set like corporate ladder situation because Mm -hmm. I know that the corporate ladder isn't going to mix very well with what my goals are as a mom and as Mm -hmm. someone that like wants to make that a top priority because there just – there is a conflict there Mm -hmm. and it goes to us operating kind of on this 24-hour cycle of nine to five.
1: Yeah, I think – I mean I think that's a really – I think it's awesome that you've recognized that and are like keeping that a priority too like – yeah just figuring out how to plan and curate some sort of life balance that can sort of allow all of those like interests and, and responsibilities to like flourish and not like over, overlap or conflict. Yeah, um, because and nowadays, especially in first World America, with all the resources in this beautiful country that we live in, like there's no excuse as to why like you cannot achieve that unless you have some sort of um, outlier thing you're dealing with, like, you know, a health issue or whatever. Like, there are certain case scenarios that mm-hmm. um, make it tougher for people. But without that and with resources and, you know, support systems and, and intellect and all of these things that you have, like, there really is no reason why you can't at least attempt <laughs> to, Yeah, to and keep that there. the women
0: that I look to that I think – seem to be like the happiest and being able to be a mom but also um, like have things that they're like working on and pursuing are like ty- are the types of women that are like entrepreneurs um, that know how to diversify income know how to make passive income through things like real estate and it doesn't even have to be like a huge like commercial property that's expensive, like that's like multi million dollars. Like it could be as simple as buying your first house by like 23, 24, um, saving up for a down payment and then upgrade, like staying within your means up and then upgrading slowly, renting certain stuff out, selling certain stuff after you build equity. Mm-hmm. Um, moms that utilize uh, social media to Um, create content and monetize that Um, women who are graphic designers or uh, freelancers or into media and are able Mm -hmm. to like monetize that skill set it seems like the most successful women are the ones that are able to curate to their schedules doing the things that they love and figuring out like how to monetize that Mm -hmm. so they can still like be a mom and like be present because I think um, like there is downtime in being a mom, but it's different than like having like huge blocks of time. Even when I'm looking at like a newborn schedule and stuff, like they sleep a lot, but they also eat a lot. So like you might be, you might still get several hours of productive work done, but it's just going to be scheduled differently than if you're just like, locked in nine to five you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm.
1: yeah those those time increments would be too long yeah you would need you would need more flexibility to be able to oscillate between all of these Mm -hmm. different activities you need to do especially when caring for a newborn um yeah so but that doesn't
0: mean you won't have downtime and that you can't like maybe instead of like watching Netflix you are on your computer editing photography photos
1: yeah like I I don't know whatever yeah yeah, it could be scrapbooking or selling stuff on Amazon. Or, yeah. It's like there's so many ways to figure out how to make passive income or active income, yeah. um, depending on what you're into, that has that flexible schedule.
0: Yeah. Do um, you want to talk about birth control and kind of the the cycle, like suppression and
1: – Like the 24-hour the yeah. versus – Okay, yeah. So um, we'll show this graphic um, – we have recently found just the data on um, how men's hormonal cycles are completely different than women's in the sense that they're on a 24-hour hormone cycle and we're on a 28-day hormone cycle, mm-hmm. and so I think that the the fluctuation mirrors each other, mm-hmm. but obviously those time increments are way different. So where a man, you know, has Uh, a peak of testosterone in the morning and then might fizzle out in the afternoon and then kind of calm down at night and then kick back up again. We kind of have that similar thing, but across an entire month. And so, and it made me start to think like, as I'm comparing that to my cycle, um, yeah, for about like a good chunk of the month, I feel very energized. I feel very like confident. I feel like myself. I feel capable I feel like I can push myself and challenge myself and take on more than you know in, in other times where I might not be feeling as like confident or whatever mm-hmm. but there's always like a very noticeable kind of down spell right before starting my period where I feel just a little bit more just like lethargic maybe just like not as clear-headed a little bit more indecisive not in the best mood or maybe just not energized enough to like fake a great mood. It just feels yeah. a little bit more fo- mm-hmm. forced. Um, and so I don't think that that down spell is something that, you know, should be frowned on. It's just kind of what it is. And maybe some people don't have that, but that's how it is for me. And so um, it just ring, it brings up a lot of questions on like, if the nine to five work schedule is structured around men's, men's hormones when they fit best with, like, work, then how do – how are we supposed to expect women to fully fit with that too? Mm-hmm. And what would the work sort of um, – what would our societal, like, work structure be around a 28-day, you know, hormone cycle as opposed to a 24-hour one?
0: Yeah. There's and just a lot to digest. Do, is the responsibility on us to then either – recognize that and be like okay I'm gonna like conform to the to the schedule that we all operate on or do I like figure out how to curate my own like work towards curating my own schedule um where I can be more in sync with like my cycle and ultimately like my uh lifestyle as well Mm -hmm. um and I think that the reason why we don't even have this conversation is because what happened in the 1970s was, um, and we we talked about this in our feminism episode, but originally, uh, the second wave of feminism was trying to figure out, okay, how do we create better systems so that women can be successful as mothers, but not be this, like, 1950s housewife that's heavily medicated and slightly depressed and doesn't feel like that they have the house. (laughs) Yeah. doesn't leave the house. Like, how do we, um, make the world that we live in like more like mom friendly, you know? And, um, and that was the original goal. And then it, it turned into, um, which was kind of led by a lot of like big corporations and big money and, and the medical industrial complex, Okay, like, yeah, women, you want to be in the workforce like you'll have to play by our rules. And they (laughs) branded that as this like new type of feminism, which was in order to have the male experience of having jobs and like feeling like you have passions and that type of thing, you have to become man. But we're not going to tell you that's what's happening. But that's kind of what's happening, because Mm. what started getting branded to women was Um, like a lot of like meaning, meaningless sex, the birth control suppression of your 28, Mm -hmm. 20 day cycle, which literally tells you what you're interested in, what you're not interested in. Mm -hmm. And then, and the incentive of, um,
1: leadership roles in these corporations like what how how cool would it have been at that time to be like the first woman in this position Mm -hmm. to be the first in all of these things to have like a level of authority in a company that a woman hadn't had before like i think all of those incentives too seemed really enticing to women at the time you know pairing that with all of the propaganda and and what they were being sold with all the health stuff i think it was just kind of a combina- combination of like turning all these women into men
0: yes but and but also kind like of having to them. pay um like they then started having to like contribute and like pay taxes. And then you saw wages kind of start to decrease because your work, the workforce literally doubled
1: a whole 50% of the population to now pay more tax money.
0: Yes. And double in work production. Like why would that not be
1: something that the fed would consider?
0: Yeah. And increase the labor supply so that wages are like way down. And, we never ended up really getting, like, a great maternity leave package. Like, currently what our maternity is is three months of unpaid leave. So it never, like, fit – and it and it's for both parents. It's not just for women either. So it never, like, really fixed the problem it was trying to create or trying to solve, which was how do we help these women that are depressed as – 1950s housewives feel like they have meaning in their lives um and it turned into like kind of turning women into like another version of men by suppressing their cycles yeah it's once
1: again forcing the women to meet the male energy and not men trying to compromise their goals and dreams and passions like maybe maybe women in those case scenarios who were depressed and felt like they were lonely yeah Maybe we could have restructured the work situation for men so that they weren't gone all the time.
0: Well, yeah, and that's maybe that's, that would have
1: been the easier and
0: that's more, a really good
1: point more doable option that didn't involve a synthetic pill that mm-hmm. didn't involve women having to become men that didn't involve antidepressants and narcotics and whatever like that honestly would have been the cleanest way of doing it
0: well that and that's kind of how when you look at the world pre-industrial revolution that's how it was like set up that the family was the center of society and not in this way of like we're separating male and female so they are separate but that they're like working on their farm together um you know, like they're spending more time together. Usually the kids are maybe more like homeschooled yeah. instead of being at school all day while the mom's alone all day at the house. Yeah. Like, and she has all these new appliances now that yep. make cleaning and everything so easy. That's like, <laughs> you're just sitting there like, what am I supposed to do? Like all she day? packs
1: the lunches for the kids, drops them off at the bus stop and yeah. then is alone for the whole day.
0: Yeah. Like when it, I don't know, like I go crazy. It, it used to be like, you were kind of like homesteading together. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was like this huge shift in how we operate and it pushed us to kind of the opposite extreme. Um, Mm. And I think it also made it so women felt like that uh, they had to choose abortion even when they maybe didn't necessarily want to do that um, just because they don't, they don't have the means to carry the pregnancy to term and then care for that child. Mm. And that, it, it hasn't gotten better for women to have like a free choice because if you look at what the response to Roe versus Wade was it was um big companies like Amazon saying that they're going to pay $5000 for you to go get an abortion in California okay well what about $5000 if you want to have your kid like if you're going to offer $5000 you should do it for both choices if you really believe that there's a, a choice. Mm-hmm. And that's my frustration is that um, abortion feels kind of pushed on women sometimes because it's more convenient for society and it, like, feeds into this kind of, I don't know.
1: It 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 makes me, like, the first thing that comes to mind when talking about this conversation is just, like, the element of money. Yeah. Because I just feel like anything that... Like, we went through the probability of, you know, you being here on this earth right now and then also having the position of being able to bring in another life. into Like, we've talked, we've just now went through all of that probability and the miracle that it is. It's
0: such a miracle. Oh, my gosh. And
1: so it's like, how dare we try to, you know, quantify that and make money be the determining factor of whether – you should or shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. It really makes me sad because I think obviously money is, is so integrated into our first world lifestyle that I don't know if we're ever going to experience a life without it. At this point, maybe some, some society, human population in the near future or in the future at some point won't have to deal with it. But right now in our immediate life's lives, we're not going to have not have to deal with that um, for the rest of our lives. So, mm-hmm. It makes me sad seeing, you know, people making these decisions based on, oh, I can't afford it at the time or I can't afford their school or I can't afford this or that. Um, and it's kind of all predicated on the fact that, like, we just don't teach people how to actually do things for themselves and ha- how to mm-hmm. teach people how to grow their own food. That's something that you can do. Mm-hmm. Like, you really can do that. Um, you don't have to live on the street and, and do nothing and, and beg for money. Like, you can figure out ways um, – But if if we could also teach people how to do that, too, it would make them even more better off. But it just makes me sad that the money conversation is even slightly connected to the conversation of life.
0: Yeah, I know it's in an ideal world. It it wouldn't be. Um, And I think that when you're when you're looking at this, if you're when you're when you're looking at the abortion debate, um, like simply philosophically, I think you can remove money from it, um, but w- when you're talking about how our our world operates, just very like realistically, like it does play a part in the conversation. And I don't know how you yeah. separate it. Yeah. And I'm not saying that like um, have not being able to afford a kid is justification for a certain decision. But what I'm saying is that it is. A factor in people's decision and how do we um work to make it not a factor like what do we do and I for me like I realized like okay there's a lot of stuff that is sold as like a necessity to have during a pregnancy or getting a having a baby that isn't like you do not need that like there's a lot of junk out there that 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 they try to sell you on that you don't need um and will actually make having a baby like not that expensive. Like babies really don't need a lot. Now kids as they get older, like they do get more expensive, but just a baby itself really isn't that. Exp- like if you can breastfeed, you can um you can um you can pay cash for um certain like visits with having a birth, not having a hospital birth. Um, especially if you're healthy, is a really great option to lower the cost of having a kid because um, having a child outside of the hospital system, you're able to plan for that because you'll get a cost up front. Even if you're going to like a birth center, they'll tell you what that cost will be before you give birth. A hospital won't. You, you won't get the bill till afterwards and it could be <laughs> it could be anything. grand, <laughs> if not more. Um, so there are things you can do to, like you said, be self-sufficient, and then lower your cost of the child to, like maybe, mm-hmm. be able to like make it work. But we aren't like no one's teaching anyone this. Mm-hmm. No one's having this like discussion, and no one's, um, which actually is in that. the
1: most empowering. Yeah, that's the empowering discussion. That's what's going to empower you and make you f- empower you and make you feel. Like, you're going to be fine yeah. no matter what the, you know, the pregnancy throws at you mm-hmm. or your relationships throw at you. Like, you're going to be fine because you know that there are options that aren't going to cost, you know, eons amounts of money. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that that's awesome. I'm really glad you, like, specified some of those things, too. Yeah, and
0: I, I – w- but, like, uh, like I, I no one – like, there's no, like, handbook on how to have a cheap pregnancy – um, it's and and you should also, make that. I will actually, and <laughs> I like write it's, that book it's it's a lie too. This again goes back to like the health stuff. The healthier you are like going into the pregnancy, um the 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 less um medical costs you're gonna have mm-hmm. and the the more you're gonna feel like confident in the process. Mm-hmm. um which again, I don't know why. I don't know why we don't we should always be healthy. We should always have our hor- our hor- our hormones like ready to go and regulated and mm-hmm. be fit and all this stuff because
1: well, yeah, that I don't would know. be easier if we didn't have a million toxins flying everywhere in the I air, know. in the air, in our water, in our food, in our cleaning products and our makeup and everything it's everywhere.
0: Our healthcare doesn't even like we were talking about this, the stuff that like the stuff that we do to like keep ourselves healthy is all like, um, what is it? Uh, preventative, not reactive or proactive. proactive. Yeah. But that is not covered in health insurance. Like proactive stuff does not get covered. Mm -hmm. Um, it's only the reactive stuff. So we're essentially like rewarding people for being unhealthy. And it's not even like all their fault because I mean you go to a grocery store and ninety percent of like the food is toxic.
1: The, the majority <laughs> of what's gonna dictate whether you have good health or not is diet. Yeah. That's start that's the foundation of it. Mm-hmm. But none of the food that we buy or you know, drinks or medicines we buy at the grocery store are covered by insurance. Yeah. Um. The second tier above that is is exercise, and so obviously our gym memberships and our gym equipment or sporting equipment or you know running shoes, to go, none of that's covered by insurance. So it's it's just interesting when you think of like the things that are um are kind of like the reactive stuff and the proactive stuff, which would actually be a lot more affected. People had under control. Um, isn't covered by insurance at all. So yeah, we just have like a totally twisted um, understanding of like, where we should be honing in on our health.
0: And I loved that you brought up um, off camera about like the bar being set, like really low for health. And like, why is that? Like, we should be aiming for homeostasis, not yeah. I'm barely alive. <laughs> no, no, Joe Biden's <laughs> situation should not be like the standard of existing.
1: Health Health should not just be your heart is beating and you're, and you're breathing and you're alive and your brain's – like that should not be – like mere survival should not be what we consider healthy. Yeah. We should be considering healthy, especially at this point after humans have been walking on this earth for thousands of years, the bar needs to be higher because – I mean imagine a world like, let's let's just do an exercise here like, like imagine a world where every single person you know was exceeding our minimum requirements for nutrients, macronutrients, micronutrients, um, hormonal levels. Like imagine if every single person was exceeding that, like what we would be capable of. I mean, I would predict we'd eliminate a ton of issues that we're already facing right now. Um, Mental health being one of them. Like all of this stuff is so connected and you have to understand that all of our biological um, systems are connected. Um, And what we've discussed in the Medical Loops episode is that our healthcare system – does not mirror that it mirrors a treat every um, facet of the body in, in its own special sort of nature. And so these doctors are trained to target that only and are not looking at everything holistically. And so what a treatment that might be good for one area of the body mm-hmm. might have like a bad effect on another. Yeah. Um, and so like that correlates to when you were talking about the OB versus abortion stuff, like an OB isn't going to understand how to give you options for other health case scenarios that they don't have any specialist in. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's,
0: um, yeah. And yeah, yeah. It's the medical, it's very detached. And then there's also like all these like weird protocols that get implemented either like in hospitals or if you are like going through something like a pregnancy that are like either mandated by the state or by like the hospital or the doctor's office that you're at, that like, just don't make any sense. Um, one of the ones that I experienced was I had to get, um, I had, I had to do like a blood work STD and urine test um, in like my, in the beginning of like the second trimester, I think. Mm -hmm. And I literally tried everything to get out of this because I was like, I know I don't have any STDs. Like I've only like been with one person since the last time I was tested who's the father of the child like Mm -hmm. a long-term boyfriend and I um I just like I just like there's no way I have any STDs like I don't want to do this and Mm -hmm. I know it's going to be expensive because my health insurance is not going to cover it or whatever um and they were like I'm so sorry like it's not we're not the ones enforcing it it's that because our license is with the state of Arizona like it's with the state. So there was no getting out of it. So I was like, okay. Um, and I, yeah, of course everything was negative. I didn't have any STDs, but like, again, this is so stupid. Like if you, I even asked, so I was like, so if you've like, if you are married and like waited till marriage to have sex, like, would you have to do this? And they said, yes. Like there was just no way of getting out of it. Um, and it ended with me getting, and a $1,000 bill for blood work that normally is covered by my, my insurance. But again, because I'm pregnant, mm. it's not covered. And it's mm-hmm. just like, why are we – like, it just – it makes no sense. Like, it's you're going to charge me $1,000 for tests that I don't even need to do. Yeah. And then there's also um, – Ridiculous. They, like, give – you find out that like, oh, you don't have any STDs. And then when your baby's born in the hospital, the hospital protocol is to give them the hepatitis B vaccine a few hours, like within moments potentially of birth. Um, and then these like, it's like eye ointment. Yeah. And that also um, is like an antibiotic against uh, a gonorrhea, which are these, these are the STDs that they're testing for in the blood work. That you're negative for, <laughs> that your baby can only get through you, but uh. then, but then you're having, but then they're getting these treatments because, like, it's making money. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a brand new baby. Like he doesn't, he's not going to have an STD unless yeah. you have an STD. So but. you're pay-
1: you're not only ne- unnecessarily paying for an STD test before the baby's born, but then you're also having to pay for these extra treatments that they do after the baby's born. That they don't need that. Right. They don't need. So there's, those are two right there, completely unnecessary, unnecessary large amounts of money that could be easily eliminated and also save time for the doctors so they don't have to, you know, do the blood work treatment on you. They don't have yeah. to do the ointment stuff to the baby. Like, that saves time for them.
0: And it's, we don't, this is another thing. Outside of preparing for, like, the cost of birth, we don't prepare for the, um, the planning of the, like, actual occurrence like a lot of people don't know all the the medical stuff that we've now well, added on clearly people are too busy <laughs> planning baby showers
1: and and putting a, a wardrobe together it's like easier to focus on those things and not you know dedicate all of your time and energy towards researching and understanding the real event which yes. is like kind of the most important
0: part yes and like i i was one of those people before before I found out, like, about the birth industrial complex, um, I did not really think much about it. I was like, yeah, I would just, I want an epidural. Like, I don't want to feel anything. Like, I don't want to see anything. Like, I don't like blood. I don't like guts. Like, yeah, I, I just want to just get you through it. They're just and- like, I want to be, like, as not involved as possible. But luckily, like you said, like you and I went through this like very slow three to four year process where we were figuring out all these medical stuff and I had figured out, I had started to figure out this like birth stuff um, probably like six months before I got pregnant and it started with, I found out that there was fentanyl in epidurals and I was like, that's weird. Like what, like that that Why? has to have some sort of negative effect, even if it's not drastic. Mm-hmm. Like that's it can't just not affect the baby when we've been told all through pregnancy, everything you eat, everything you drink, the baby, like, like that affects the baby. Mm -hmm. Like I was like that. And your blood, your blood flies through your body.
1: Like I think it's like at a mile an hour, like it flies, it flies through your body. And so when you inject a a drug, whether it's, you know, intravenial or through the skin, it's going to get absorbed into some area of the bloodstream and therefore be a part of the bloodstream that's, like, connected to your child.
0: Um, yeah, or at least it affects you. Um, and I was like, oh, wait, that's why if you have an epidural, like, you're going to have a harder, like, recovery usually. And I'm not shaming anyone that's had an epidural. I haven't even gone through the birth yet, so I don't know what's going to – my plan as of right now is not to do that, but something could change where I, I'm required to have one or, or, or I, I can't – like, I don't know. I get – have too long the labor and need it to rest so I'm not I'm not placing judgment on people and I think that people should be free to make their own decisions when it comes to um medical freedom and health but they should be informed and I don't think that a lot of people are informed of if you do an epidural you're already like now in the system to do all these other interventions. Mm-hmm. So you're going to, if you get an epidural, you're going to most likely have to do Pitocin to help induce labor. If you do Pitocin, like, there's all these, like, cascade of interventions mm-hmm. um, ending with you're more likely to have a C-section. And our severian rate in the country is, like, 25%. Um, and worldwide, it's it's 1%. So I, I just – you see that like the birthing process, which is the most natural thing that we're supposed to experience has become so mm-hmm. medicalized and where we don't even know any of this because mm-hmm. so many women haven't experienced a non-medical birth. I This is
1: making me think about sex ed for kids in middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. I vividly remember when I was in sex ed, they talked about birth control methods and yeah. that was like a co-ed Um, part of the lecture so like the boys learned about women's birth control alongside the girls oh interesting well what if what if what if we could at least introduce kids at that age to understanding some of these elements of birth Mm -hmm. so that like both people can have the same level or at least get them off on the right foot of having the same level like at least there's a baseline understanding of like um, certain components of birth that can help prepare the mind and you know not put it all on the female to do their research and yeah. do th- and y- them go through that like well,
0: same with birth if control. we're trying to encourage
1: relationships where like men and women are going through it together like yeah. doesn't that make sense for the men mm-hmm. to have at least whatever that baseline is
0: yeah I, I I agree and because at the end of the day like if you're if you're giving birth, um, and the your partner is in the birth room with you, like that's going to be your advocate. If you're incapacitated or exhausted or whatever, like they're going to need to know um, your birth plan in and out, so that they can make sure that nothing is happening to you that you do not consent to. Mm-hmm. And when you're specifically in a in a hospital environment giving birth they're going to push things on you like crazy um and it's going to keep requiring you to be like i don't consent to this like i don't this isn't necessary like i don't want to do this um so Mm -hmm. i totally agree like it shouldn't only be on the the laboring woman to have to Mm -hmm. be doing that um I, i also think what do what are your thoughts on men and their knowledge and responsibility on women's cycles and getting pregnant birth control all that stuff.
1: I think that I think that they should be heavily involved. Mm-hmm. Um I mean obviously there's going to be a disconnect in terms of just how much focus and management yeah. is required because like, you know, they're not they're not you and yeah. they're not a female and no matter how much they actually learn, they don't they don't un- experience life with the same reproductive system as like women do. But I think that right now we have tools where um, that I, I believe are becoming increasingly more accurate um, because of the devices that we're developing where you can read these measurements of you know the female body and where she's at in her cycle and what's sort of to be expected in the coming days, weeks, or whatever, and so that they can look at that alongside you. Um, so I think that that's something that is doable. It doesn't involve any drugs. It doesn't involve them... Having to really do that much work, other than to just pay attention, um, and so I don't think that that's too much to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it does. Requ- it does require more self awareness and more, um, I guess, proactivity. But it's. I don't think that it's. You know, radically. You know, demanding mm-hmm. in terms of your energy and focus
0: when you. Remember, like, that sex ed class when you're taught about birth control. um, Were you told that you can only get pregnant um, a few days out of your cycle? Mm -mm, Nope. Um, Did you, when you kind of went through college, a lot of people, a lot of people had this experience where um, when they were, like, if they were to, like, sleep with a guy, um, whether it was a night out drinking or whatever, you know, as what happens in college happens. um, It was very rare that the guy would even at a bare minimum ask, are you on birth control? Like the responsibility was so on the female and it was such an expectation that um, women were on birth control and that they were like fully like on top of it, managing it, whatever that the men didn't would were so conditioned to not even ask are you on it or are you not to make a decision of what you should do next? You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. did you find that that, like, when we were going through college, like, that kind of was what people did?
1: Yeah, no, completely. I mean, I've experienced that firsthand. Like, I'll admit that. And also, I know just through talking to, like, you and and other girlfriends my age, like, most people have had experiences where it's just not even asked. Mm -hmm. You know, you're about to, say, like, sleep with someone or – you know, you're getting to know someone, and you just know that they're inferring, and they, d- and also sometimes they don't even want to ask because maybe they.
0: Then it makes them have to be accountable. Exactly, it's kind and- of like a way out if they yeah. don't. You're like I didn't know, <laughs> but but yeah, it's and and it it also makes you feel like uh, like you don't even really want to say anything because it's like so awkward to to like bring it up if they don't yeah. bring it up. And then you feel like uncomfortable if um, you like want – even if you are on birth control, if you want to like use a condom too, like you feel weird even asking that. Like mm-hmm. but that, it's just – it's so on – I think women want to please men. Um, that's just very much like in our nature from biology, from evolution. And so when we're in these situations where – we want to be um, appreciated and admired and, um, you know, like... We want to feel like there's a purpose. F- yeah, we want to feel And good in those moments
1: when we're able to be, to be giving of ourselves and, like, please someone yes. else, especially, like, a significant other, that's, like, such a fulfilling and purposeful emotion that we experience. Yes.
0: And you don't want to do anything to, like, mess that up. Mm-hmm. And so by, like, bringing something up um, like birth control or whatever, like that, that, that it feels like, oh, I'm like imposing something on someone else Mm -hmm. in a way, Mm -hmm. if you're trying to bring up that conversation. And so then it just doesn't get talked about at all, which that's not good either. You know? Yeah. No, as, um, as we've been learning more
1: about the reality of like a healthy non birth control involved like female hormone cycle, and as we just mentioned, it's a twenty-eight day cycle. It's really interesting realizing that, like, re- really the 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 window of realistically getting pregnant is only a couple days, four days max. I
0: think gets six.
1: Oh, six days. Okay,
0: it's it's like either four way, to six that's days. not the yeah.
1: full twenty-eight days. Yeah. And I feel like when I was first being educated on birth control, when I started birth control, I was under the impression that if I missed one day or you know. Like the entire the entire twenty eight day cycle, aside from your period, is when you are fertile. Like mm-hmm. that's what I felt like I was sold, and I think that guys, a lot of guys, in a way, are are believing of that too. Yeah. Um. So I think that we need to sort of regroup here and you know push that understanding of that it's a lot shorter and and it directly conflicts with with the birth control pill.
0: Well, and I have a new girls that did know, oh, I can only get pregnant a few days of my cycle. But they didn't realize that if once you're on birth control, you aren't you don't have a normal cycle. You aren't going through the four stages of your cycle on the twenty eight day cycle. You're having a suppressed fake You're literally your period is fake. Like you don't even um you don't even It's a pseudo it's period. It's a pseudo period that they literally designed so that people wouldn't be weirded out by birth control. Because when birth control first came out, it didn't have the placebo week um, and people were like, creeped out by that because it was signaling to them that something was weird. Yeah. And so what they did. It felt
1: too different from how you normally would hopefully have a period.
0: And so the pharmaceutical group, they decided, well, we're going to do a placebo week so that people like don't think it's that weird. But I knew women or girls in college who thought that on top of taking birth control, they would also do like for um, like they would do like the fertility awareness um, tracking and they wouldn't do it with something as precise as like natural cycles, which we've talked about, but like just kind of generally like tracking their cycle and and knowing what days and what days not to. But the ironic part about that is that if you're on birth control, you aren't ovulating and you aren't getting your period. Therefore, everything's suppressed. everything is the every day is the same. So. It doesn't. You can't even like do the fertility tracking on top of birth control because you aren't having this like normal period when you can predict when you can get pregnant. But if you miss a pill, sorry, I know there's a lot of information, but I have a point. But if you miss a pill, um, the birth control pill goes from ninety nine percent effective to ninety three percent if you miss one, and so um, now it's Russian roulette of that cycle when you could get pregnant. So now every day of that cycle that you missed a pe- you missed one pill until you start, start the mm-hmm. next month, mm-hmm. you're at 93%. Whereas if you were doing the, um, if you were doing like a natural cycles or, or something like that, where it's an algorithm app that is that same percentage that like, do you know what I'm, I don't know if you get what I'm saying, but
1: like, yes, it doesn't throw off the entire month. It throws off that day. Yeah. Maybe you don't have a great reading for that day because you miss, you know, you miss doing your temperature or whatever, yeah. but it doesn't it doesn't actually change the cycle that your body's
0: Exactly. On. Whereas like birth control, it, if you miss a day, like it will affect that entire month potentially and mm-hmm. put you at risk that any day that month you this, you're at a 93%. This might
1: be a little TMI, but when I when that would happen to me when I was on the pill, if I missed a day, I I could be two and a half weeks out from, like, having the pseudo period. But if I missed a day, I would get that pseudo period because my body had been trained
0: wow, it that, was that if fast. I went a
1: day without taking the pill, that triggers, oh, we got to give her the pseudo period.
0: Interesting. You know? Yeah.
1: Um, I don't know if anyone else has had that experience, <laughs> but, like, that's how it literally was for me. So, yeah. like, I could, if I missed a pill, like, that's what I was faced with. Yeah. Like, the punishment of four days of a pseudo period. Yeah. It just, it makes no sense. It's, it's stunk. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Crazy. Um, Tangent. But yeah, it's, it's definitely like, again, like all this stuff is so, it's so complex and it's so, it's, it shouldn't be because this is like what, it's, we're trying to take what our like natural bodies do like through evolution and like modify it to the modern world. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what we're, that's what we're trying to solve for Mm -hmm. essentially. And what's happened is life has gotten easier, but it's gotten more expensive to maintain this higher level of like comfort Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that, and everyone, um, like infant mortality rates a lot higher. So people don't need it to have, like people don't have 10 kids and only Five of them survive. So mm. we're like all these things that we're talking about. It's like us. We're trying to figure out how do we take nature and um, be these <laughs> creatures. We're like nature-based creatures, but we're living in this very modern world that is kind of yeah. in conflict with it. it. Kind of, You know me, what I mean? It kind
1: of makes me feel like I'm this like mediary who recognizes how or I've now recognized as of the last couple years I've recognized truths of objective truths about nature and then have recognized the opponent which is the systems that exist in the world that we live in right now and I feel like I'm just this vessel for like (laughs) trying to trying to combine the two yeah and bring them into a synergy, but it's hard. It's it so is hard. hard. It's easier and to kind of the, one or the other. <laughs> what I've noticed so far, the f- the the first most important step, which I think has helped that synergy happen, is just the recognition and awareness. Mm-hmm. But then the second, and unfortunately, is money, I think. Yeah. Money, I think, is right now the only way that I can synergize those two by making sure I buy the right things and um, all the right things are more expensive and, you know, wasting more time because sometimes the the healthier, better, better things, the better doctors take more time. Yeah. And so, anyway, yeah. I did want to say one more thing um, just on the sex ed discussion mm-hmm. um, because it, I was thinking back to when I was going through sex ed. I realized I really don't remember learning anything about birth, I don't think.
0: Mm. I don't think I learned anything either. I think
1: my parents taught me more. I didn't learn about any of it in school. And yeah. I felt like m- the majority of our sex ed was geared around STDs and like oral sex. <laughs> like it was just about like, it was about like teaching us how to like hook up. It wasn't about- Wait,
0: teaching you how to hook up? <laughs> like,
1: we're, all, like, we're just
0: the different ways you Teaching could. us how to
1: protect ourselves with hooking oh, up. okay. That's not sex ed. Like what is sex? It's like having, you know, you're making like another human- so, yeah. like that's the scientific definition of it technically., well, but now we have all these other uh, these all these other um you know s- subcategories of it, which is like sexes, you know, oral sex, sexes, you know, yeah, like' we're j- it's yeah. so vague, yeah, yeah yeah, but i i f- I truly believe in my heart that I believe the most scientific definition of it is you know m- more the heterosexual. Like we're doing this to make some sort of human,
0: or or maybe not make a human, but like <laughs> not that a it, sort of human, a that human it, that it could happen. Yes,
1: yeah, okay. exactly. So um, maybe that's not the intention, but like that's what it's that's what we're designed for. Yeah.
0: Well, what's crazy is I didn't know this, but like a lot of the same hormones that women um release, like the the bonding hormones that we release uh, during sex. We also release like during birth to help us um, like cope with the pain and then like be ready to bond with the baby. And actually, like, we get like so overwhelmed with like positive emotions during birth that we like kind of brainwash from how um, like painful and crazy and traumatic. That mm-hmm. is on the bot. I don't want to say traumatic, but, like, intense. 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 Um, And that's why, like, a lot of women after they give birth, they're like, I could do that again. Like, I want to have another baby, like, right away because mm-hmm. they are, like, kind of flooded with these, like, positive hormones. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that that's interesting that women um, – oh, and this also goes back to sex ed. I feel like we never talked about, like – the hormones that women release like during sex, and that women um, are not that men like don't become emotionally attached during sex, but women are way more susceptible to becoming like emotionally attached, which is why like hookup culture, it, it, statistically speaking, is more beneficial for men than it is for women because women mm-hmm. do better in like more um, monogamous, like one on one relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just, like, generalizing here, but, like, that is kind of what's going on. And I feel like we didn't talk about protecting your heart either when it came to sex. And that is, like, a mm. part of it, too. Like, it's not just how do I protect my physical self, but, like, how do I protect my emotional mm-hmm. self as well? Because, like, mm-hmm. anyone who's gone through um, a heartbreak after, like, a intense, like, long-term relationship um, knows that. What that's like you know or even just well, a guy rejecting you after a one-night stand can be hard mm-hmm. even if you didn't like him that much well in theory <laughs> we could
1: integrate that mental and, and heart conversation into sex ed but it's such a it's so much more nuanced yeah like how can we create metrics and and like a a standard of advice to give to kids in sex ed based on that because everyone's so different it's so nuanced. Yeah. I do think though that there could be a baseline that that
0: and it we could goes agree over on. Time too. I mean, when you're a little when you're twelve, it's kind of hard to picture that. But once you become sixteen or seventeen, it might be maybe you have like a an update. Hmm. Maybe you don't just do it once. Maybe mm-hmm. it's like a as Kids grow. You integrate different things. Yeah, and and
1: frame it, angle it in recognition of this is probably going to change as you like figure out more about yourself and figure out who you like and have different relationship encounters. Like, I think you can frame it in a way that isn't so black and white. Like, this is just how it is. This is how it'll always be. This is how you'll always be. This is how you'll always look at it. I think. Um, you can factor that nuance in while also being really informative and educational and help them prepare. Because I I, I actually am a proponent of teaching some form of sex ed just so that, you know, people can have some exposure if maybe they aren't, you know, a child of of good parents who are going to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And we don't want them to get conflicting information from, like, outside Stimuli, like advertisement and, yeah. and some films and especially like the porn industry. Currently, porn is the most searched term on the Internet. Really? Yes. It wow. is the leading keyword, like a billion searches a freaking day. It is Gosh, it's so disturbing. And so like we, we have a lot of pathogens out there. Ugh. And if we don't at least give people in those young years, because they we go through puberty yeah. at 12, 13, yeah. like infants. Yeah. So this could happen well, way younger.
0: I think it's interesting that you two bring up that, like, we don't – I didn't – like I said, like, I didn't know a lot. I, like, everything that I know about birth, like, I did my own research. And it's not even that, like, my – it's not like my parents, like, shied away from talking about it. Like, I knew about how I was born and stuff. But it just – I don't think that they – there were so – there's been so many generations of in America of – People not having physiological births that I don't think it was something that my parents were like, this is like should be a priority that we're like mm-hmm. educating you about, especially when like you're not really thinking about having kids. but I found out um tracing back to my family lineage to my oldest relative that I knew, which was my great grandma that was born in 1914. Um, even she, had a very traumatic birth. It was like something called like a, a, a twilight sleep where they basically put you to bed while you had your child and you don't remember giving birth at all.
1: I didn't know that, it, that existed. Yeah, it, this was
0: in like the 20s and the 30s in America. So do
1: they, is it like an anesthetic type thing? Or is they, it just they sedate you? Kind
0: of like they sedate you. And that but they don't
1: cut. It's not a C-section. They don't I
0: cut. Don't, I, I, they have to get the baby out somehow, so I don't know how it's extracted but um, yeah like you're pretty much like completely out of commission for like and not just a few hours like it's a while and this was kind of the mainstream way this was like a pretty mainstream way of giving birth right after midwifery stopped being a thing and there was Mm -hmm. this like smear campaign on midwives Mm -hmm. in the turn of the century that was funded heavily by guess who the Rockefeller family Mm -hmm. And so I didn't... <laughs> what didn't they
1: not touch?
0: I don't know. Everything. They touched everything.
1: <laughs> everything.
0: Yeah. So it's like I I didn't know that starting with my great-grandma all the way to my mom, and my mom didn't have any medication, but she still had certain things forced on her or on me as a baby um, that she didn't know about. Uh, it, it it's taken the internet to like break through that mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. generations of misinformation. Um, and when I've told certain people that are older, like, oh yeah, like I'm not planning to give birth in a hospital, like they look at you like like you're crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, actually, like it's really safe and fine. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like- this isn't a a surgery
1: you're actually one of the few people who are going to help us maybe reintegrate a new system of doing this and rest making that the new standard and not
0: yeah well especially the hospital when, route what was that video we were watching where um our matern our, like uh, um, maternity mortality rate is mm-hmm. the lowest of all like developing mm-hmm. countries mm-hmm
1: uh no, I think the the maternal mortality rate being the highest. So the highest. As in yeah, we have we the, the most, most death. deaths through giving birth than anywhere else.
0: In developed um, countries, which yeah. is concerning. They no. said we were like right above Afghanistan. Or something.
1: <laughs> no, we were below Afghanistan. <laughs> I, I don't I don't really remember what she was alluding that to, but
0: so um, yeah. it was midwifery that that in the European countries midwives are oh, present at yeah. mm-hmm. the birth,
1: and that the reason why a lot of midwives are either leaving what they're doing or you know we're not seeing a flux of people becoming midwives is because there's a lot of new regulations that we have that make it a lot more difficult. To be um, a midwife. Yeah, and and yeah. also just the more stuff you have to deal with in any business or any career, just the more criteria that you have to have under your belt in order to just actually do the thing that you want to do, that does sort of decrease the incentive of actually getting to the point of doing it. Yeah, so.
0: and there's just stuff that I, like, I didn't even know was important. Like you're supposed to delay the cord clamping until the cord like turns white because mm-hmm. if you – Clamp it right away. The baby won't get all the nutrients, all the blood that from the placenta. um, And but if you wait till it turns white, then they you know like okay they got all the blood.
1: Oh, interesting. So there's
0: all these things that I did not know that we don't do (laughs) do at the hospital. And then this is like really cool. So babies like um when they're born, if you put them like on your like stomach, like right below your boobs, they know they can do this like. It's called like the breast crawl and they can like <laughs> like wiggle up to like breastfeed like right wow. away because they have like instincts and it's like right after birth like and it will help help them be more successful like in breastfeeding. That is fascinating. On. And then like there's this other thing where baby's first crawl. If you want your baby to like also take a bottle you should not like the 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 woman should not be the one to introduce them to the bottle because the baby can like smell the breast milk on you Mm -hmm. and they always want the breast milk over the bottle because even if you're feeding your baby like breast milk in a bottle they get more um like like there's more of like a a a chemical like hormone bonding Mm -hmm. release from like actually like um, breastfeeding mm-hmm. from your boob, <laughs> so they always will prefer that. So if you if you're the one to show them the bottle, then they'll always reject the bottle usually because they'll like know okay. what. So you up. need to have you have to need to have the dad or someone else like in the fam like your family like introduce uh-huh. a bottle if you want your baby to like take both.
1: Oh, that is so interesting. That makes so much sense. Yes, because yeah, we release f- pheromones and. And yeah, whatever those hormones are in that general area that are being mm-hmm. oh, that's so
0: interesting. It's so cool and like
1: mind blown.
0: And this is what I I'm I mean you we knew each other like both of us are not, um, girly girls. We aren't like super. Was I ever like baby obsessed?
1: No, no. no. I mean, like every now and then we're like, oh, like that's a really cute baby. like baby or like you know I'm, I'm I've always been one of those people that like I've always like worked really well with kids like i find kids fascinating. Smash Jordan with so our neighbors. So i have been like a kid person as an adult but not a baby person. And Do I'll s-
0: Remember us with the you with the neighbors. Oh yeah,
1: i i played with the neighbors like all the time. I opted to pass out candy while all my friends would be pre-gaming for Halloween yeah. every freaking year cuz yeah. it was my favorite thing ever. <laughs> um but i also just i also didn't really grow up around a lot of you know, cousins with like young kids or aunts and uncles that had like young babies. So I the my exposure to that has just been very, you know, amateur. So I this is this whole experience, like being like a close relationship to you going through like I've learned so much. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm really glad because um that's a silver lining that I think will come out of all of the work that, that you've put in. Like at least, at least you'll have helped me.
0: I know. Well, then when you have kids, and, hopefully and you'll be And many other people know, who are
1: listening to this. I just
0: want people to know their options. Like I, I'm not trying to preach anything. I know some of this might sound preachy, but I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not trying to preach anything. I find all this stuff really fascinating. I have never, I was never someone that was like interested in birth or interested in some of these things that we talked about. Um, but I honestly, I honestly think that like once you, once you are pregnant and have a child, like have a child like growing inside of you, it is, it is a part of you. It is, it, it, it doesn't exist without your body. Like mm-hmm. that is the reality of it. And you, what you start to feel like it is a part of y- you in a sense and that you're it willing you. to do whatever it takes to like protect it, including um, making sure that you have a a birth in an environment that's going to be successful and not stressful for the baby and gives mm-hmm. the baby everything that it already has mm-hmm. built into like our bodies and our system because yeah. we were like so like the whole design of this whole experience is so cool that this all Happens yeah, like it naturally, is. you know.
1: It is. I think when you really realize all of these different, like hyper detailed, hyper, I mean, incredible engineering that is like involved. Yeah. When you really realize all of those elements, it's it's very empowering. I think. Yeah.
0: Um, yes, empowering's a the, a great word because I I feel like being a mo- like being a mother and giving birth is. Um, usually used in contrast of of empowerment like women and empowerment is not associated with that but I actually have found that this experience has been one of the most like empowering things that I've gone through Mm -hmm. especially since it I mean it it hasn't been um like pregnancy for anyone is not going to be like this rosy color glasses experience like Mm -hmm. I know that people show that on Instagram but like that's just not the reality um even if you feel like you have a pretty like ideal situation um it's just it is really hard especially if you never have gone through it and there's a lot to figure out Mm -hmm. and um it's not like super it's hard it's not (laughs) it's not a comfortable experience so it is empowering so to get through that and to like persevere and come out at the end of it feeling like good and ready and prepared mm-hmm. somewhat ish. Mm-hmm. It like that like I am proud of that. And it's like work that I did and I'm like proud of that work and I feel empowered by it. Mm-hmm. And I, do, I wish that we used empowerment to like describe birth and mm-hmm motherhood and stuff more because
1: yeah, yeah yeah i will say i i fell in the camp for a long time before um you know learning a lot more about this recently where like look at every movie and tv show that has some sort of depiction of birth it's typically not in a very like beautiful lovely light it's mm-hmm. either you know very strenuous looking or you know, spontaneous and just like, I feel like every time I've seen something like that, it's just a million different things and it doesn't really look that beautiful. Yeah. Um. And so like I've been fed that my whole life. And so it, I will say it It did build up like a real kind of concern in my mind of what is the reality? Like, is this going to be like this for me? And and with all of those questions in mind, it, it does make it seem really daunting and scary. Um. But if you find the right resources and also like someone who's literally going through it, like as the most close resources that you can get, um, you start to realize that it isn't, it isn't all pent up like that. Yeah. Um, obviously, everyone has a different case scenario, and there are outlier scenarios where, like, yes, it, you are extremely uncomfortable, and there are new health conditions that, that come it's life out or
0: death. I don't want to diminish that. There absolutely are absolutely emergency birth situations, and I'm mm. glad that we have. I should have given that a disclosure, but yeah, I'm glad that we have the surgeons to be able to do that when it's mm. in a rare case scenario. But mm. yeah, it's not.
1: But that is not every single thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. there are there are predicaments where it is not as hard as that mm-hmm. so i think me really realizing and rewiring my brain to recognize that and kind of grip onto that hope that I want to have that I want to make sure I'm as healthy as I possibly can so that I can have that that good process that seems worth it to me yes like I want to experience that in like that beautiful like embraceive sort of way and like
0: divine feminine experience exactly
1: yeah Yeah. so I hope that happens for me but um yeah I I just I feel for any woman or even man out there who's like been exposed to content like that that may or may not have seriously altered your entire perception of like wanting to go through pregnancy or like be there for your wife who when she's going through that like mm-hmm. um i i think that that's happened to a lot of people
0: yeah for sure um i i mean i i think that as we kind of like wrap this episode up i feel like we talked about everything that I, I think we right? did. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I do wanna like list off some like resources and content too that people can check out that I used as resources through my pregnancy and even before pregnancy, just like figuring out some of the stuff that we talked about. Um, built to birth, um the website, the YouTube channel, like, and all of her social media. Um, she's a doula and there's a lot of like great information on that. Um, another one is uh, pain-free birth. Um, she has a course, she does like a lot of Instagram reels and stuff. Um, also look up, wh- look at the different hospitals in your, if you are planning to give birth in a, in a hospital or like just considering it, look at the different um, hospital C-section rates and induction rates on their website. They have to publish that data. And so you can kind of compare which what hospitals kind of rush to do C-sections, which ones don't. Um, also, if, tr- if you have um, an insurance that uh, either covers maternity or doesn't, always like check the thing that you're getting done like on that insurance's like website. Um usually like it's different for whatever provider you have, but usually you can like search by doctor or like search by um like the tests that you're doing, like if you're doing a blood test or if you're doing the glucose test and um it will like show like what the estimated cost is. So that way you can know like should I um, like, run this through insurance or, like, should I pay the cash price? Because sometimes a lot of this, like, maternity stuff, I found it was cheaper to pay the cash price. Um, also, um, chiropractor and acupuncture will help with, um, like, having a birth that's not as, like, painful and having your adjustments be aligned better, like, mm-hmm. post-birth. And you can even take your baby to the chiropractor mm-hmm. um, after he or she's born so that they can, like, have adjustments done so that they're like they don't cry as much and stuff wow, wow, yeah it's crazy um also research um the the glucose test this is like a health tip but you have to take this like sugary glucose test and you can't really get out of it but you can now a lot of providers will let you take this alternative called um the fresh test and it is natural and it doesn't have any of the toxins that like the glucose drink test has. Um, and so you can order that online and do that. What are the toxins? Is it just extra sugar? Okay. This test is absurd. It is, I meant to get into this on the episode, but I forgot. It is, um, this test that you have to take to check if you have, um, digestional diabetes and it's a diabetes that. Even if you don't have like before you're pregnant, you could get it in pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And so in the morning, you have to chug this like super sugary like drink with preservatives and like ingredients in it that I looked and I was like, this could like this, this is literally good. gonna
1: give you that. That's,
0: yeah, I was like, this is gonna give me <laughs> this diabetes. gonna induce the
1: diabetes. Not this test is gonna it. Give the baby
0: diabetes. <laughs> and I was like, and it's 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 orange. Like this drink is disgusting looking. Like it, ew. Anyways, and I've never been a soda drinker at all, so I was, like, freaking out. I was, like, I'm going to, like, throw up. Like, I can't take this. Luckily, my the midwives were, like, no worries. Like, you can do this for the fresh test instead, um, which I still didn't even like doing that. But it, it was better than the, the orange drink. Um, <laughs> so don't do the orange. If you can get out of the orange drink, like, I would, I would advise –
1: yeah, if yeah. you're pregnant and someone hands you an orange drink, it's probably that. Yeah, <laughs> don't drink it.
0: Um, what was I saying? Oh, okay. Final tips. Um, All right. oh, um, look into getting a doula because they can advocate for you, especially if you're at a hospital. Um, but
1: not a dolphin doula; those are
0: different. Maybe. <laughs> but, <laughs> maybe they're the same. Um. Yes, Uh, write a birth plan, definitely do that, Um, and then you don't need to get a ton of, like, having the perfect nursery, yes, like, that's fun, and I'm not discouraging people from, like, doing that and nesting or whatever, but if you're on a budget, your baby can co-sleep with you, your baby can sleep in, like, a little bassinet, They, they don't need... Your baby doesn't need a lot. They don't even sleep in the crib at the beginning. So, like, don't feel this, like, need to spend a ton of money on all these products and stuff and all these different seats for them and, 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 and whatnot. Also, OfferUp has a bunch of, like, used mm-hmm. baby stuff. If you do need to get, like, a pack and play or a stroller or whatever, like, great yeah. And, great like resource. the day of, too. Yes. Because
1: you can set the local filters and literally just go have someone drop it off or pick it up.
0: Yes. And, um... Also, like, feel free if anyone has if anyone's pregnant or wants is is trying to get pregnant or um has gotten or doesn't know what to do, like, feel free to reach out to me um, via social media because <laughs> I want to like help more people. She a consultant, and um, yeah, and I want to start putting more content out there too, um, whether it's like writing or videos or whatever about like this type of stuff because. Yeah. I just think it's so important. Yeah. I mean, given that we're coming up, like we're on the
1: eve of, you know, the birth, I I'm we'll definitely have to talk about like what we wanna, you know, how we wanna factor in like the next cause this is kinda like phase one, like before you know how that experience is gonna be. Yeah. So after that, it's like there's probably going to be a lot more that we could talk about yeah. and you could help provide information on yeah um so if you want to do that cool if not but
0: yeah an idea well thank you guys thanks jordan sorry i <laughs> talked a lot but no i learned um, so
1: much thank you guys for listening we're sorry we were on a little bit of a hiatus obviously we had some stuff going on this year but um we will See you again sometime soon. Yeah, and uh, feel free to please listen to the medical loops episode, like we mentioned in the beginning. Um, I,
0: it's a really good episode. I think that
1: that would also provide a lot more context into just some of the inferences that we brought up, just about general healthcare and whatever. So yes, for sure. Yeah. Well,
0: All thank right. you guys. Thank you. Have a good Catch one. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>